1: Welcome to the serialized audiobook Ancestor, written by number 1 New York Times best-selling novelist Scott Sigler, performed by the author. Ancestor is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com/ancestor. 1 year, 3 months before the Novozyme incident in Greenland. The elevator opened at the bottom level of the West Wing. Tom Maskell and Murray Longworth walked out. This was a trip that Murray had made before, a trip he'd hoped he would never have to make again. Too many memories from the Perry Dossi fiasco, things that Murray was trying to block out of his mind forever. Things like Detroit. He'd done his job, partially succeeded, partially failed, and then fully retired. Being retired, however, didn't mean you ignored an invite from the President of the United States. Another secret? Possibly another crisis. What it was he didn't know and wouldn't know until the President explained it. This time, at least, Murray wouldn't be the guy pulling the trigger. Well, ordering someone else to pull the trigger, anyway. He would do what retired old government farts did. He'd consult. He'd offer his opinion. That opinion would probably be ignored, and that was fine. That was the way of things. Each generation gets to make the same mistakes of the generation before. The White House had two situation rooms. He walked by the larger of the two, the one made famous by Hollywood epics of war, plagues, and asteroid disaster. The smaller room? Most people didn't know about that. That's where the secret shit always got rolling. That second room was where Tom led Murray. They walked in. Murray almost wincing at the two familiar images of mahogany paneling, nearly wall-to-wall video screens, and the big conference table that occupied the room's center. Six chairs on either side, half of them full. Murray recognized Alan Sale from the FBI, White House Chief of Staff Vanessa Colburn, and, of course, President John Gutierrez. Gutierrez sat at the head of the table, Vanessa on his right. Murray didn't recognize the other three men all in suits that screamed bureaucrat, nor did he recognize the girl with the face piercings and the purple lock of hair dangling stylishly over her left eye. Her outfit screamed something else, something like, everything the government does is bad, and it must be destroyed, power to the people. Murray knew a fucking commie when he saw one. Murray, Gutierrez said, welcome, I'm glad you could come. Of course, Mr. President. Glad he could come, as if a request from the President was some invite to tea that a man could blow off in favor of a beer, a ball game, and a lazy boy. Tom Maskell led Murray to an open chair. Murray sat, noticing that there were no briefing papers, no agendas waiting in a neat stack on the table. The table was bare. Historians and newscasts often illustrated the aging effect of the office of the President of the United States by showing a picture of him at the swearing in ceremony and then one of his last days in office. The effect is always stunning to see just how much the office's endless demands and world-affecting decisions can deteriorate a man. Energetic leaders in the prime of their confident, successful lives check in, while gray-haired and exhausted old men check out. That usually takes eight years. Sometimes, just four. For John Gutierrez, Those changes looked evident just a month into his term. The man that popular media had described as a Hispanic heartthrob now looked like a well-dressed factory worker who had spent decades pulling double shifts. His once jet-black hair now carried visible strands of gray. Sparkling eyes still sparkled, only not as brightly, and it was hard to focus on them due to the attention-demanding bags under his eyes. Most significant? No smile. Not a half-smile, not a smirk, not even a politically correct grin. John Gutierrez knew that lives hung on his every decision, as did the future of the country and, quite possibly, the future of the world. The president leaned forward, elbows on the conference table, and it began. Ladies and gentlemen, all of you have been asked to play a key role in a developing situation. Like the attack on Fort Sumter... Pearl Harbor, and the World Trade Center. We went to sleep in one era and woke up in another. The events that led to Detroit have opened our eyes to a level of threat that we could not have imagined and still do not fully realize. A lack of communication and a lack of centralized organization played a huge part in the disaster that continues to affect us every day. Murray listened quietly. It wasn't lost on him that the meeting began when he walked into the room the president and chief of staff, had been waiting for him. We have to play the hand that we're dealt, Gutierrez said. But I didn't get to where I am by playing fair. In my eyes, we are at war with a new category of threat, biological issues that go beyond plagues and epidemics. Developing science, biotech and rogue nations, and things we can't yet predict, all create threats that require new strategies. One thing about Gutierrez— he could really give a speech. Tone, cadence, words, all of it worked together to pick up your pulse. Murray had heard face-to-face speeches from six presidents, including Gutierrez. They all had their leadership style, all radiated power, but the Hispanic heartthrob was the best at channeling that power into pure motivation. I am making an executive order to formulate a new structure that will put us in position to detect these threats early and deal with them before our people are in danger. An executive order. Murray could smell where this was going. If he knew politicians, Gutierrez would make some general statements leading to, but not arriving at, a specific unsavory task, then take his leave. This new structure is about speed and efficiency, Gutierrez said. It is about preventing, at all costs, Another situation like the one that led to us using the only option we had left. Whatever it takes, people, that can never happen again. Never again. He stood, smoothed out his tie. I have other issues that require my attention. The Senate inquiries into the Detroit incident continue and I must take my leave. Vanessa will give you the rest of the details on your new assignments. Thank you all for coming. Everyone stood as President John Gutierrez walked out of the situation room. Tom Maskell followed him out, closing the doors tight, as he left. Everyone, please sit, Vanessa said. I'll make this quick. The five men and the purple-haired commie sat. Whatever her story was, it had to be good. Vanessa Colburn remained standing. Young enough to be Murray's daughter. At least she would be if Murray had ever slept with a black woman. He still didn't like her, but he didn't have to like her to respect her. If you got in Vanessa Colburn's way, she could tear your nuts clean off and crush your career. But at the same time, she took shit from no one, and she was tireless in the face of utter disaster. Murray had met few women like her and didn't care to meet more. One force of nature was enough. Vanessa's gaze swept the room before she began, her predator eyes locking in briefly with each attendee. The look silently communicated that whenever John Gutierrez stepped out of the room, Vanessa Colburn was what Murray liked to call the HMFIC, the head motherfucker in charge. The primary focus of this group is new or unestablished biological threats, she said. We know a lot about anthrax. We know next to nothing about the disease that led to the Detroit situation. For the things we know, we already have departments working on them fundamentalist terrorists, rogue nukes, Chinese espionage, Russian cyber threats, etc. None of these elements will involve the Special Threats Division, but if any of these elements are part of an unidentified biological threat, you will receive full support and cooperation. To make sure that cooperation happens, we are pulling elements from different agencies. Most of what we are doing here will not be on paper. Murray nodded. Not on paper. That was why Gutierrez had left the room. This would be an operation somewhat outside the law, probably unlimited in power, in budget, operating outside the daylight of oversight. And for that, a wise politician needed plausible deniability. The parts that are on paper are under USAMRID, the United States Army Medical Research Institute For infectious diseases organization is a logical lead element for investigating biological threats. Seeing PhDs show up in full army dress uniforms tends to have an impact on the targets of an investigation. She gestured to the man in the Army uniform. This is Colonel Paul Fisher. He is stepping down as headquarters commander of USAMRID and taking on a new role of assistant deputy commander. Fisher wore Army dress blues, neat and sharp as might be expected yet he also leaned back in his chair a little, almost relaxing. The scientist types could be like that. Too much time in the lab dulled the proper sense of protocol. Fisher wore his gray hair in a high and tight that was shaved down to the skin by the time it met the arms of his brown Army Regulation glasses. Late 40s, maybe early 50s. Until this meeting, apparently, Fisher had been the number one man at USAMRID. Now he was a step down. Well, maybe he was on paper, but this was clearly no demotion. The fact that Fisher was in this room was a part of this meeting meant his power rating had just gone way up. Murray was a deputy director of the CIA, a little-known player in Washington, intentionally kept out of the public eye so that he could do the work that needed to be done. Fisher, apparently, had just been recruited into a similar role. Colonel Fisher is going to be the lead investigator for us, Vanessa said. He's already done significant work in countering bioterror and in dealing with threats from xenotransplantation. Excuse me, Murray said. Z-what? Transplanting animal organs into humans, Colonel Fisher said. It's called xenotransplantation. There can be dangers involved. Imagine that, Murray said. This is a bit of a shell game, Vanessa said. But the bottom line is we need immediate and full cooperation from multiple departments. The President does not want to lose a single American due to miscommunication or infighting. Vanessa walked him around the rest of the room. Alan Sale, FBI. He is the Assistant Director of the Weapons of Mass Destruction of the National Security Branch. That position would give special threats instant access to the FBI's WOMD investigations, which included bioweapons. Vanessa gestured to the room's lone black man. Overweight but immaculately dressed, the perfect skin on his shaved head reflected light from the video screens. This is Andre Vogel, Vanessa said. He's with the Special Collections Service of the NSA. Murray's eyebrows raised involuntarily. The Special Collections Service was a joint effort of the CIA and NSA and, supposedly, didn't exist. An agency that didn't exist at the disposal of a new division that also didn't exist? Another indicator that Special Threats was going to enjoy a healthy serving of we can do whatever the fuck we want. And from Homeland, we have David Lodge, Vanessa said. A red headed man nodded and smiled politely. David is with Homeland Security Science and Technology Division. Let me guess, Murray said. Assistant Director. Bingo, Lodge said. I'm also noticing the trend. From FEMA, Raymond Robinson, Vanessa said. Assistant Director of FEMA's Response Division. A thin, sickly-looking man nodded. If FEMA actually had those concentration camps fantasized by the conspiracy theorists, Robinson looked emaciated enough to be a captive. That brought Vanessa to the counterculture rebel, the purple-haired girl. A young woman, actually. But since she had to be 40 years Murray's junior, he had a hard time thinking of her as such. Dark lipstick, darker eyeshadow applied with an overzealous hand, and enough chrome-piercing crap sticking out of her face, she'd set off an airport metal detector every time. Murray, Vanessa said, meet Dr. Petra Prowatt. And what is she an assistant of? Assistant of go fuck yourself, Petra said quietly. Vanessa gritted her teeth the reactive gesture telling Murray that she had already spent too much time dealing with the girl's attitude. Nice position, Murray said. And what does the assistant of Go Fuck Yourself have to do with this division? Bioremediation, Vanessa said. She's handling the radiation in Detroit. Biomechanical mycoremediation remediation Petra said. Get it right. Murray cocked his head at Vanessa, giving her a crooked smile that wordlessly said, You're just going to take that? Petra's research is unique, Vanessa said. It's possible that she can address the Detroit situation. Was that what it was now? The Detroit situation? How cavalier. Still, the Detroit situation sounded a hell of a lot better than that fucking radioactive shit pile crafted with our incompetence. Take a look around, Vanessa said. You'll be seeing a lot of each other. We had this meeting to make introductions, and because we also wanted you to hear the necessity of this division from the president himself. Tomorrow, we will be getting more into detail about roles and responsibilities. Responsibilities, Petra said, her dark lips sneering in disgust. Is that what you call dropping a fucking nuke on my state? Show some respect, Murray snapped. You're talking to the White House Chief of Staff, you little shit. Save it, Gramps, Petra said. Detroit was founded in 1701, but you wouldn't know that because you didn't live there. It stood for over 400 years. Put Generation X in charge, and in a month, the place I was born glows at night, and you baby boomer idiots probably encourage them. I'm not part of your ass-kissing pyramid. I'm here because someone has to undo the colossal clusterfuck you goose-stepping idiots created. Murray laughed. And that's you? I hope so, Petra said. Because if it's not me, then it's no one, and the country has an open, oozing sore for the next century. Petra, Vanessa said, her voice straining on the edge of patience. As I told you, there are reasons for the incident that are not public, and you'll know more tomorrow. Petra stood. She wasn't much taller standing than she was sitting down. Couldn't have been more than five foot two. Yes, I'm sure tomorrow— I'll see that the only possible solution was nuking a major U.S. city and killing hundreds of thousands of people. You all just stay the fuck out of my way and write the checks I tell you to write, and we'll do the best we can for the people that are left. See you fossils tomorrow. The tiny, purple-haired girl stormed out of the Situation Room. Vanessa stood there, blank-faced, just as stalwart as ever. Thank you for coming, everyone. Tomorrow at 8 a.m., we'll all know more. Murray, if you could stay behind for a moment. Vogel, Fisher, Sale, and Lodge all left the room. Lodge shut the doors behind him, leaving Murray and Vanessa alone. So, Vanessa said, what do you think? I think that the assistant of Go Fuck Yourself needs a spanking, but a comment like that would get me a sexual harassment lawsuit, so I won't make it. A spanking wouldn't do it. Vanessa said. She needs a good old-fashioned beatdown. Don't worry. I'll take care of that. What I meant was, what do you think of the lineup? Murray thought, then nodded. You're going about it the right way. It's not legal, but you have what you need. Vogel's NSA work gives you the best in signals intelligence, cryptology, probably any kind of data you want. FBI has to be involved, of course, to make the domestic investigations run smooth but the departments that really make this machine click are Homeland and FEMA. Homeland gives you that blanket terrorism prevention power, civil rights be damned, and if the shit hits the fan, the president can declare a state of emergency. Since FEMA is in on the loop with this special threats division and will likely be prepared ahead of time, you can completely shut down any area the second the president says the word go. You can have martial law without declaring martial law, control all broadcast communication, and transportation in and out of an area. Vanessa rubbed her eyes, then sat. It was a rare exhibition of fatigue, of stress. It seemed the Iron Woman was human after all. This is crazy, Murray, she said. We came in wanting to change everything, open up the secrecy so the people could see their government. Murray remembered the first time he'd met Vanessa, in the Oval Office on Inauguration Day. Gutierrez and Colburn had been so confident, so sure, that their generation would fix the evils of the one that came before. How ironic that the next generation, namely Petras, was already writing off Generation X the way Generation X had written off the baby boomers. It might have worked, Murray said. You couldn't have seen this coming. Her tired eyes fixed on him. I imagine that happens with every administration. You can't see the big world-changing events. Can't prepare for them. Murray smiled and nodded, mostly because he didn't know what else to do. So, I gave you my opinion. This is a great start to dealing with situations you can't see coming. All this biology mumbo-jumbo. I assume I'm here to consult and to prep whatever assistant you assign from the CIA? Murray had done his part. He was ready to hand over the issues of the country and the free world to someone younger, someone hungrier. As for his part, he planned on defending the nation against any terrorist, trout, or bass that might have attended a river-bottom madrasa. Vanessa shook her head. That's not why you're here, Murray. You're heading up the division. What division? The Special Threats Division, she said. You know, that thing we've just talked about for the past thirty minutes? Murray stared at her. He'd fought tooth and nail with this woman during the Triangle Incidents. She was still all business, but now she didn't look quite as hateful. Somewhere along the way, he'd won her over. Heading it up, Murray said. Me, running this division? She nodded. We wave a magic wand and your retirement never happened. You keep your current position— as CIA assistant director, but you're running the show in special threats. The president asked for you specifically. Murray shook his head. You—he doesn't want me for this. I don't know a damn thing about biology. And I'm retiring. I'm old. You'll have dozens of biology experts, Vanessa said. The best of the best from any government agency, universities, even the private sector, people like Petra. Your job is to manage— Make it click, not to prepare slides. You've worked around the edges of the law for six presidents, Murray. I didn't understand the need for that when I came in, and I know full well there are activities you've done that were just plain wrong. But this one is right. Right and wrong. Murray knew from experience that right was always the property of the current administration, and wrong was the property of historians. Everything was right until you left office. Vanessa didn't understand that part yet, and wouldn't until history looked back on the Gutierrez administration's decisions. The president is asking for you to take charge, Vanessa said. Will you accept? I'm no fool, Murray said. You know this job needs to be done, but you're not going to have your hands in it, not directly. Neither is the president. Things go south. Any illegal action we take, and trust me, there will be many of them, that's coming back on me, not on you, not on Gutierrez. Vanessa nodded. She wasn't going to bullshit him. You've taken that burden before, Murray. You have the experience. That's why it has to be you. He thought back on his career, on the skeletons in the closet, the ghosts. Ghosts of people like Dew Phillips, who'd done what Murray had asked and wound up atomized for his troubles. But a wise man had once told him, "'It's not the body bags that are filled by your decisions that matter. It's the ones that stayed empty because of your decisions.'" "'Okay,' Murray said. "'I'll take it under a few conditions. If you're giving me the reins, you're giving me the reins. I'm not going to be micromanaged here. You know I'll run big decisions up the flagpole before I do anything that would draw attention.'" But for the day-to-day shit, you guys stay the hell out of my way. The sentence was out of Murray's mouth a second before he realized that he'd said the same thing Petra had said, almost word for word. He stared at Vanessa, waiting for an answer. She nodded. Fine. The President trusts you. It's your show. And if I want FaceTime, I get FaceTime, Murray said. It can be in secret. No offense, Vanessa, but I'm not going to accept you as the middleman. Gutierrez can keep his plausible deniability, but I have to see his face when the hard decisions are made. She nodded again. Anything else? Just one more thing. I want a special forces unit assigned to special threats, fully trained to operate in chemical and biological threat zones. If I need to deploy people, if I need to control an area, I want them on standby 24-7. Oh, and one more thing. There's a man that's done some work for me in the past. His name is Patrick O'Doyle. Make sure he's in the unit. Agreed? Agreed, Vanessa said. And here I was thinking that you were going to ask for a bigger office and a company car. She wasn't smiling, and it took Murray a moment to realize she was joking. Vanessa, don't tell me there's actually a sense of humor hiding under that thick suit of bitch armor. Believe it or not, Murray, I do have a soul. The President will be thrilled to have you aboard. She offered her hand and he shook it, and that sealed the deal more than any piece of paper, more than any words could ever do. Fishing would have to wait. You have been listening to Ancestor by Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment.